Welcome to the Creative Times Summit podcast, where each episode brings you a talk from our annual convening for thinkers, dreamers, and doers working at the intersection of art and politics. Find out more at creativetime.org. This summit podcast features writer Teju Cole. Teju is a distinguished writer in residence at Bard College and photography critic for the New York Times Magazine. He spoke at our 2015 summit, The Curriculum, which took place at All the World's Futures, the central exhibition of the 56th Venice Biennale. My name is Teju Cole, and I'm um, a Nigerian and an American. I'm a writer and a photographer, and I want to talk a, a little bit about the intersection between writing, photography, um, about some of the ways of thinking about photography. Can everybody hear me? Am I clear? All right. Um, I mean, I think the first thing I want to think about is what... Uh, I think we, we have a pretty good idea of what photography is at this point. I think one decent definition of what photography is is a kind of um, image making made with light directly from an object that is in some way able to be registered and sustained. So if you cast a shadow on something and the shadow can last longer than the body cast in the shadow, that's pretty much photography, writing with light. I think a little bit more complicated is the question of what's a photographer um, because of the kinds of artistic changes that have happened in uh, the understanding of that term. So I, for example, um, I'm a novelist, I'm an art historian, I'm a photographer, I also write about photography. And uh, one of the things that... Uh, I'm just going to go back. Does it work? Uh, okay. Technical issues. <laughs> but you've got that beautiful PowerPoint. Okay. Okay, fine. Um, <clears throat> when I'm writing photo photography essays, for example, um, I recently wrote one for the Times that was about a number of artists who are using photography in an, um, uh, in an appropriation-based sense. And I really wanted to think about what Penelope Umbrico was doing and uh, Joachim Schmidt, where they take other people's photos from the internet. Um, and to me, in writing that, I'm working as a writer. Uh, but more recently, and later in this talk, I'll touch on it, I started to think through some of those issues again, but using images. And for me, that is not a writerly practice, that's a photographic practice. So that's me working as a photographer. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about more old-fashioned approaches. So, you know those people who still sort of run around with cameras, taking pictures of things? <laughs> those, those people are photographers too. I mean, this is a very sophisticated audience, so I, we sometimes forget about them. I'm working on a book of photographs about Switzerland, so I've been thinking about landscape a lot. I, Switzerland, I know it's, it's really sexy. It's, very, very exciting. Um, but it's precisely about digging into it and finding out what is exciting about it, why people think, oh, that's done. Um, that's why I'm doing a project about it. Um, and so I've been thinking about what is it in a landscape that expresses itself through uh, photographic work. So if you look at this image, which some of you might recognize, a tract house in Colorado, probably in the 70s, by Robert Adams, 
um, we are somewhat invested in this idea of the photographer as the singular genius who imposes himself or herself on what the landscape wants. But as I'm trying to sort through what a landscape involves, um, I start to sort of get this idea that there is something that the landscape wants that ends up being expressed through, through the photography, uh, through the photographer against his will or her will. And so I feel like the crisp, descriptive, sort of sober uh, kind of photography that Robert Adams does with the expanding American settlements in the West is as much his work as it is um, what the landscape wants. And if you look at David Goldblatt working on um, apartheid-era uh, churches in South Africa, the Dutch Reformed Church, um, it almost seems as if there's something about the aggressively neutral style that is itself a kind of reaction to this landscape of formalized terror that apartheid was. And meanwhile, somebody like Giri, so these are sort of the people I go to and try to understand what is their landscape saying to them. Luigi Giri, who's from Emilia Romagna, um, whose work is always sort of like in, the, in between this region uh, of, of what is fiction and what is fact, what is constructed, um, what is natural. Um, and I think there's something in his soft color that is responding to that landscape, a landscape that contains castles, but also contains advertising and billboards. Um, and I want to contrast him to someone like Eggleston, who is his contemporary, they admired each other, but in the case of Eggleston shooting in the American South, um, William Eggleston talks about angry reds, you know, and he has his angry reds and these vivid blues and, and this very some, sometimes violent greens and it seems to me that that landscape, it's not just about how brightly the sun shines there, but something about the very fraught political situation of the southern United States at this time. Um, and for me, it's like the evidence for this kind of argument is actually in the photographs themselves, trying to understand it as a practitioner, saying it's not impossible to shoot like David Goldblatt and shoot in the south in that way, but that is not necessarily what the landscape is eliciting from you. Um, and William Christenberry, very similar to Eggleston in this way, um, who has always gone back to Hale County, Alabama. And there's something of that, there's something I think of as a vernacular American Southern color, um, almost as specific as regional cuisine. And yet if you take somebody like Felicitas Werkler, who's a German photographer who worked a lot in Greece, um, something about that landscape, which has a kind of a rough hewnness to it, but also a kind of Euclidean geometrical uh, regularity. Um, and that leads to one kind of photography. Um, and if you think of Rinko Kawauchi, the contemporary Japanese photographer, whose work is dealing so much with evanescence and things that are unsteady and just sort of on the edge of your vision, um, and these are things that are being given to her by her landscape, um, and of course the culture that has shaped that landscape. Um, so that was sort of like more the, f the formal, the photographer old-fashioned style of it. But that I, as I thought about this more, I started to think about other kinds of landscapes, such as, for example, this stairwell 
which I have regrammed onto my Instagram account from somebody who put it up on, the, uh, on Instagram. And then somebody else made the same stairwell, and then somebody else made the same, and then somebody else made the same. Um, why are they all taking the same fucking stairwell? What's going on? It's because when you go into the new museum in New York, something, you go into that stairwell, and the stairwell says, take a picture of me, but you have to take it in exactly this way. And each person who does it, you know, says, oh, I'm being so original, you know? It's such a cool picture. Um, and I start to think of this as sort of like the affordances of that particular terrain. There are possibilities and there are restrictions. There's a wall here and there's a view here. And these things start to suggest to you that maybe you should do the work in a particular way. And this is a combination of architecture and landscape that does these things. So that was a fun project to put on Instagram. I really freaked people out. I lost like 100 followers a day. They're like, what is he doing? He's so obsessed. Um, but I was working through this idea of the good photograph, but actually it's a kind of repetition um, because the landscape is almost determining what people do. Um, so that if you go to Columbus Circle and you go to the Museum of Art and Design at MAD, um, somehow everybody who goes there makes these same images. And in a way, this is even more uh, uh, insightful. It's, it's more direct in a way than a good photographer, a formal photographer, a great photographer trying to impose himself or herself on the landscape. Um, if you go to One World Observatory, everybody who goes there, and these repetitions, that it's, it's not quite mystical. Um, it is actually, it is just, it's just the boundaries, it's the borders that are created by the, the space that you're in. So for me, this becomes an opening into a photographic practice. This is the Natural History Museum. Everybody, the same spot, because we have some kind of embedded notion of what a good photograph looks like. Um, but now social photography makes visible what for so long has been hidden. Um, and then there's... Uh, so that's 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 general idea. Ten minutes goes by really fast. <laughs> there's so much I want to talk to you about, but I think uh, Mina's going to come out here and ask me one or two questions. Um, so th anyway, that's... Uh, and I think of this as the affordances of terrain, because affordance is a soci sociological concept, but I think terrain has things that it suggests um, and that it makes possible. So, thank yeah. you. Um, simple question, actually. Sure. Maybe too um, easy for you. Why landscape? Why you choose landscape? You mean um, with, different, with, with the same tools, but different yeah. perspective. You can send different messages or different stories about, about a one, one place. Why you choose yeah, landscape? I mean, I think landscape became impo important for, for my own thinking in photography, in part because I was traveling so much um, and trying to understand how each place sort of expresses itself. Um, the reality about the world is that most places are actually the same. Every airport looks the same and, you know, restaurants look the same and cafes. Mm -hmm. um, but landscape remains a sort of distinctive um, reality in the world. You know, you cross over from Switzerland into Italy and it's a different landscape. It's kind of weird, so. Great. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you all you. very much. Thanks.
Lead support for this podcast comes from the Trust for Mutual Understanding, Blum Media International, and the Blum Family Foundation. Additional creative time support is provided by the Ford Foundation, Lamben Foundation, Toby Devin Lewis, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, as well as Creative Time's generous trustees and individual donors. Since 1972, Creative Time has worked with artists to contribute to the dialogues, debates, and dreams of our times. To show your support for Creative Time, please visit creativetime.org slash join.